Chapter Forty One of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nushet Carey. Chapter Forty One: The True Story of Lady Betty man is his own star and the soul that can render an honest and a perfect man commands all light all influence all fate nothing to him falls early or too late our acts our angels are or good or ill our fatal shadows that walk by us still john fetcher they laugh that win othello two or three days before the wedding there was another gathering at the red house gwendolen and her husband were staying with lord ralston and doreen suggested that the chaytors and everett ward should be invited to meet them althea made no objection only when her sister proposed dessert in the veranda she gently but decidedly put her veto upon it there are too many we had better remain in the dining-room she replied with heightened colour and doreen who with all her bluntness had plenty of tact said no more everyone accepted but at the last moment joanna excused herself on the plea of indisposition but tristram chater accompanied his brother waveney and molly were dressed alike that evening in soft ivory-coloured silk only molly's spray of flowers were pink and waveney wore dark red carnations thurgood who sat by her at dinner noticed a diamond bangle on her arm waveney saw him looking at it it is a present from lord ralston she said i am to be molly's bridesmaid you know was it not good of him i never had anything so lovely in my life before thurlcote murmured some response he then addressed his next neighbour waveney was dangerously attractive that evening her dark eyes were bright with excitement and pleasure and in her white dress she looked more like undine than ever the conversation during dinner turned upon long engagements it was gwendolen who started the subject a friend of hers who had been engaged for eight years had been married that very morning gwendolen brought down on herself a chorus of diversion and censure from the gentleman for saying that she rather approved of long engagements and a warm discussion followed the gentleman took one side of the argument and the ladies the other but gwen stuck tenaciously to her opinion waiting never hurts any one she said oracularly don't you remember lady betty ingram moritz lady betty was an ancestress of ours she continued she lived when farmer george was king and she was faithful to her love for more than twenty years five-and-twenty years was it not gwen 
and then as most of the party begged to hear the story gwendolen narrated it in her own charming way lady betty had been for some time one of queen charlotte's ladies-in-waiting but court life was not to her taste she was lively by nature and she disliked all the etiquette and restraint and she pined to be back with her parents in the old home but before she left the court she made the acquaintance of a certain sir bever willoughby at least he was only bever willoughby then the son of an impoverished baronet and heir to heavily mortgaged estates lady betty was no beauty but she was considered fascinating by most people she was very witty and she danced beautifully and handsome bever willoughby lost his heart to her when he saw her walk through the minuet for she pointed her toe so prettily and curtsied with such exquisite grace that willoughby was not proof against her charms one evening when they were at ranla and lady betty looked more bewitching than ever in her little quilted satin hood willoughby suddenly addressed her in an agitated voice my lady betty he said the court is not the place for a poor man you have robbed me of my peace of mind but no lady however fair shall rob me of my honour i am going to win my laurels to-morrow i sail for america fare you well and god bless you dear lady betty and then he bowed to her with his hand on his heart and for four and twenty years she never saw his face again though she heard of him often it was then that lady betty returned to the old hall and there she lived a quiet life cherishing her aged parents and busy with her still room and herb garden after the fashion of those days she had many lovers but she never married for as she once told her mother she had never met any one to compare with sir bever willoughby he was a godly youth she said and when i looked on his countenance i bethought me of young david playing his harp among his cheap but he had one fault and it has spoiled both of our lives he was too proud to owe his fortune to the woman he loved lady betty was in her comely middle age when she next saw bever willoughby she had grown rather stout but people said she was handsomer than she had been in her youth she was dancing a minuet in the picture gallery at brentwood hall when a tall soldierly-looking man with his arm in a sling attracted her notice when their eyes met lady betty blushed like a girl but sir bever turned very pale when a week or two later sir bever asked her to marry him lady betty looked him full in the face there is an old proverb sir bever she said that tells us that some things are better late than never and methinks this wooing of yours is somewhat tardy say not so dear lady betty he returned passionately 
for though i rode away without telling my love i have no wife or child but have been your true lover at heart all these years then lady betty dropped him a low curtsy but he saw the sparkle of tears in her eyes you have not been more faithful than another she replied you are a brave soldier sir bever but you had no right to break a woman's heart as mine was broken that evening at ranelagh but she married him pleaded molly rather, rather piteously as gwendolen paused for a moment oh yes she married him and they were very happy but sir bever only lived ten years and as he lay dying he expressed his regret that their wedded bliss had been so brief dear heart returned lady betty your mannish foolish pride kept my husband from me for nigh upon twenty-five years but we will make up for it hereafter and then she fell on his breast weeping death cannot part true hearts she cried and thou wilt be my own sir bever in heaven and here gwendolen caught her breath for jack was looking at her and actually molly silly little molly was crying it is a lovely story gwen observed althea and then she rose from the table a little later when the gentlemen had had their coffee they all went out on the terrace and waveney found herself pacing the garden paths with mr chater they talked on indifferent subjects the beauty of the evening and the charm of a well-kept garden and then they paused to listen to a nightingale in the shrubbery presently they sat down in the veranda at the porch house and watched the other couples passing to and fro below lord ralston and molly gwen and jack compton and doreen and tristram the other three althea and mr ward and noel had seated themselves on a bench outside the library window the moon was rising behind the elms waveney's eyes were fixed on it when thoroughgood suddenly broke the silence what did you think of the true story of lady betty he asked there was something inexplicable in his tone i thought it was beautiful she returned though i did not cry over it as molly did they were both so faithful but lady betty was braver than sir bever what do you mean remonstrated her companion surely it was better for him to ride away without telling his love you do not agree with me looking in her face you think sir bever was wrong to be afraid of his poverty yes i think he was wrong faltered waveney i agree with lady betty that he had sacrificed their youth to no purpose you see he gave her no chance of settling things right he just rode away and left her to bear her life as well as she could you are severe returned thoroughgood eagerly you do not make an allowance for a man's pride that will not stoop to take everything from a woman i grant you the story was pretty 
and that mrs john compton told it well she has a charming voice and manner oh yes and she is so nice mollie is quite fond of her already i do not wonder at it but miss ward i want to convince you that you ladies are not the only ones who set us an example of faithfulness men may be proverbially fickle but there are exceptions to the rule oh yes of course it is difficult to judge in some cases there was a friend of mine here thoroughgood hesitated and glanced at the girl's averted face something in her attitude the shy droop of the head the hands clasped so tightly on her white gown excited him and quickened his pulses there was a tremor in his voice as he went on my friend was deeply in love with a girl she was very young he was much older and waited with many cares and responsibilities and he was poor oh far too poor to take a wife again he paused but waveney made no comment only her hands were clasped more nervously he did not exactly ride away as sir bever did he went on but he made up his mind that the most honourable course would be to lock up the secret of his love in his own breast and not burden that bright young life with his troubles no with strange emphasis he loved her too well for that dear miss ward surely you will own that my friend was right waveney would have given worlds not to answer her little pale face grew rigid with suppressed emotion though she never raised her eyes she was conscious that he was watching her keenly his strong will seemed to compel her to speak my friend was right was he not he repeated slowly and as though he were weighing each syllable no she returned abruptly he was wrong he was as mistaken as sir Baver. and then she grew crimson oh if she could only escape if she could bring this conversation to an end she was tingling from head to foot with sheer nervousness so i begin to think myself returned thoroughgood coolly and then his voice deepened with sudden tenderness waveney my dear one tell me the truth would you wait for me gwendolen always boasted that she had made the match for you know jack she would say if i had not told that story about lady betty mr chater would never have mustered up courage to speak to waveney that night and they might have been pining for each other for years after all it had come about quite naturally perhaps thoroughgood had read something in waveney's eyes as she listened to that old love story that made him change his purpose of silence but he never repented it we may have to wait for years he said to her when the first agitation of their great joy had calmed a little but waveney only gave him one of her radiant smiles 
faithfulness has not gone out with powder and patches she said in her quaint way i would rather wait through a lifetime knowing without doubt that you loved me than to have to exist through years of chilling silence and in his heart thoroughgood agreed with her everard ward gave his consent very willingly when thoroughgood in rather an embarrassed voice told him that he feared they could not be married for perhaps four or five years he received the news with profound satisfaction chater is a son-in-law after my own heart he said to althea he will not rob me of my little girl for the next five years my dear fellow i am delighted to hear it i said to him but he looked at me rather reproachfully i hope they will not have to wait quite so long returned althea gravely but everard would not endorse this lord ralston had robbed him of his molly and he could not spare his little waveney perhaps althea was the most astonished at the news thoroughgood and waveney had kept their secret so well that she had never guessed it but when her first surprise was over she rejoiced heartily in their happiness thoroughgood had grown years younger since his engagement she said one day to joanna he is not half so grave and sober now and joanna assented to this i am getting very fond of waveney she replied tristram likes her and so does betty but joanna spoke without enthusiasm her brother's choice had greatly surprised her and privately she thought his engagement to a penniless girl was an act of pure folly if he had only married a girl with money she would say to tristram sometimes but althea who had not outlived romance approved thoroughly of the engagement she saw that waveney entirely satisfied thoroughgood that she was the light of his eyes and the desire of his heart my lonely days are over he once said to her and it was true waveney's bright intelligence enabled her to take interest in all his work and he could share all his thoughts with her when molly and lord ralston plighted their vows in the old church at erpingham thoroughgood was making silent vows in his heart and looking at a little white figure with worshipping eyes and waveney was repeating her tedium oh molly i don't think you are happier than i am she whispered when they were alone together for a moment but molly looked just a trifle dubious thoroughgood was very nice and clever and she meant to be quite fond of him but he could not be compared to her moritz oh wave do you know what i heard as we came out of the church just now she said merrily somebody near me said the lame bride is a real beauty and they say she is a ladyship now and then molly laughed gleefully and gave her satin train a little fling wasn't it funny but i don't think moritz quite liked it and wave 
and now Molly's dimples were in full play. Somehow, I could not feel quite grave when Colonel Treehorn called me Lady Ralston. End of chapter 41 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.